If you like what you hear, come and visit me at youtube.com slash tiptoe the tank and see this content in all its glory. So when last we met Murkoff, they'd done a real bad thing. They used the morphogenic engine in the guts of Mount Massive using technology created by Dr. Rudolf Warnicke during his time as a Nazi doctor in World War II that he perfected over decades after he was brought over during Project Paperclip by the US government to work in MKUltra, studying deep dream brainwashing and torture to interact with nanite technology that would eventually go on to create the Wall Rider. Eventually everything went to hell when Billy Hope released the Wall Rider on the staff and patients who had been turned into tumorous and maddened variants after Wayland Park sent a whistleblower email to Miles Upshore, Miles arrived at Mount Massive, only to eventually be overtaken by the Wall Rider after killing the tormented Billy Hope, causing a big whoopsie daisy when the Wall Rider decided to take Miles for a ride around the corner to get some milk and just like my dad, he never came back. Remember? We good? Okay, here we go. We fast forward up about three years from the events that took place in Outlast 1 at Mount Massive Asylum. Now we do not know what became of Miles Upshur or Wayland Park, but we do know that even though Wayland blew the lid off of what Murkoff was doing at Mount Massive, Murkoff did not cease its practices. Murkoff Corporation is never explicitly named in Outlast 2, but they're still around. They're responsible for everything happening in this new story. Keep that in mind as we go. It took me hours of reading and rereading notes and videos from Outlast 2 to piece together that there was so much more to the story than I originally thought. The history of Templegate, the cultist antagonist within the game, dates back not just a few years, but decades. Throughout the game, there are notes called the Gospel of Noth, Notes that I thought were the religious ramblings of someone under the effects of Murkoff technology, but I was so wrong. These things are key in piecing this story together. So, here we go. We'll begin with Sullivan Noth. When we meet Noth in Outlast 2, he is 76 years old. When Noth was a young man, assumedly late 20s or early 30s, he found himself in debt and working in a failing career. Then, while listening to a preacher over a radio program, Noth claims that a message from God came to him, instructing him to gather a flock and lead them to a new paradise apart from the misled ways of the world. Noth began preaching on the streets, and over a few years, he drew in a following. He continued to receive commands from God, writing them down as a New Testament called the Gospel of Noth, and developed a stranglehold over his vulnerable followers. They gave him everything they had. They followed his every command. In 1971, when Sullivan Noth was 34 years old, he led his flock into land belonging to the Havasupai tribe. They violently displaced the natives and established a town hidden from the world called Temple Gate. For a time, for some years, we know that although dysfunctional and abusive, the cult at Temple Gate wasn't the monster that it became. There was faith and worship an attempt to build a new civilization through frequent breeding. And Noth himself had doubts over his faith for a time, even refraining from engaging in sexual activity with his followers and taking pilgrimages into the wild to find God. However, that changed when Murkoff set up a facility about five miles from Temple Gate, specifically a series of radio towers, much different from the massive morphogenic engine that was built within Mount Massive, but with similar effects on those exposed to it. The Murkoff Towers worked off of microwave transmission to send information via radio waves to the residents of Temple Gates. The religious mania and vulnerability of the group made them prime targets for this experiment. Embedding's insanity was simple enough as 
well, they did it to themselves, bring their worst fears to the surface, their fears of apocalypse and the Antichrist being born. It was like the real-world events of Jonestown, but they were amped up to 11. And as with the effects of the morphogenic engine upon the variants at Mount Massive, the inhabitants of Templegate acted as projectors of the mania upon each other, a vicious ping-pong effect of, of fervor, fear, and horror that only got stronger over time. A researcher observing the experiment said the strength of the signal became stronger the farther he got away from the radio towers and the closer he got to the settlement of Temple Gate. But you might ask, how the heck are you linking this to Murkoff, Tiptoe? The name Murkoff is never mentioned once in Outlast 2. Well, watch this. Murkoff is embedded in the information. That clip was from the recordings of our protagonist, Blake Langerman. Blake and his wife went to this Havasupe reservation after a teenager named Anna was found heavily pregnant, wandering a highway near where Temple Gate was hidden away. They didn't go there with the intention of finding Temple Gate. They didn't know it was there. They were investigating the potential site of a factory, creating an environment of waste. Anna's death was being treated as a suicide, but she was strangled and so full of mercury that Lynn speculates that she had to have lived most of her life near chemical runoff. Anna's baby also did something unusual. Either something violent happened or what if it wasn't there? Because remember how there, there, there were no women at Mount Massive. Well, that's because of the effects of Murkoff technology, sometimes causing false pregnancies. Women believed that they were pregnant. They carried to term extremely fast, and often it caused the death of the woman. Anyways, the helicopter carrying Blake and Lynn goes down, hit by some radical force from Murkoff Towers that disables the engines. Lynn is taken by the cultists of Temple Gate, who announce that she is pregnant with the Antichrist. Sullivan Noth himself inspected her to confirm it. Blake finds her at Temple Gate only to lose her minutes later to another faction within the reservation. Led by a defector named Val, the heretics were once part of Temple Gate, but once the madness of Murkoff's technology began sweeping Temple Gate, a different sort of mania overtook this particular group. Instead of fearing the birth of the Antichrist, they welcomed it. They wanted the child to be born. They warred with the cultists. Lynn and Blake are caught between these two factions. Lynn is taken by Val and her heretics, but Blake refuses to leave her. He continues his wild hunt for Lynn through the compound of Temple Gate, the land of the Scald, and the mines of the heretics. 
The longer Blake is exposed to the projections of the cultists and the signal from the Murkoff Towers, the harder it becomes for him to distinguish reality from truth. He also begins to fall into his deepest fear and pain, the death of a dear friend when he was young. Jessica was her name. She was abused at home and molested by a priest at their Catholic school. Her abusive father was used by the priest as a means to control her. If she acted against him in any way, well, he would threaten to call Jessica's father, which caused the girl obvious fear. Young Blake witnessed the priest isolating Jessica, heard her running and screaming as the priest chased her, and found Jessica's body in a stairwell. The priest, Father Ludermilch, just steps away. The priest hung Jessica's body up with a rope, forcing Blake to comply with a cover-up. Ludermilch framed it as a suicide of a troubled girl, and Blake never told the truth of what happened to his dear friend, a girl that loved him in a way. Blake is pulled back and forth between the reality of the Havasupai reservation and the memories of Jessica. He loses time in the real world, traveling through his memory of his school, awakening far away from his last memory of the Havasupai reservation. Before finding Lynn within the den of the heretics deep in a mine, Blake also begins to experience apocalyptic visions projected by the cultists and heretics of the land. The more worn down and traumatized that he is, the stronger it becomes. When he finally reaches his wife, she's heavily pregnant. Within the night, she goes from newly pregnant to prepared to give birth. Blake comments that they hadn't had intercourse in months. It shouldn't be possible. But... She isn't pregnant, is she? We know what the Murkoff technology does to some women, but Blake doesn't know. Lynn doesn't know. This is as real as anything could be to them. They flee the mine together after a clash between the cultists and heretics begin. A clash to claim Lynn and her unborn baby, which is believed to be the Antichrist. A great storm is taking place outside. Wild winds and electricity in the air. It truly does look like the end of days. They make it to a church where Lynn gives birth to a baby girl. But again, we know what Murkoff technology does. Lynn says, there's nothing there. Before hemorrhaging to death, Blake is left holding a baby girl that seems as real as anything else in this place, but just isn't there. Everyone in Templegate is dead, either through murder or suicide. Noth finds Blake and begs him to stomp the child to death before it kills the world the child that does not exist. Noth says that God has gone silent. The storm is over. The towers are not transmitting for some reason. And the projections of the other cultists are gone. Indeed, God has gone silent. Noth takes his own life before Blake departs. We are left with mysteries and unanswered questions with the conclusion of Outlast 2. Blake departs holding the child and is overtaken by a great flashing light and a low bellowing that we've experienced many times throughout the game. Is Murkoff frying the site? Killing everything within? Ending the experiment? Did they literally bomb the site to erase evidence? Furthermore, what became of Miles Upshore and Wayland Park? Who were the three blind sleepers briefly mentioned in the first game but given descriptors of great importance? How many sites does Murkov have around the world? How many mass experiments have they conducted and covered up? What was Murkov doing in the 1990s? Where's the wall writer? Well, what do you think? Can you answer any of these questions? Outlast Trials is the third entrance into the series, but will it answer any of these questions and expand on this universe? 
I'll be there, searching for answers. And I'm going to bring friends. <laughs>